All right, Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 49. Let's give our attention to God's word. It says, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him, with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were, hanged, uh, who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, He praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. The Bible says that all people are like grass, and that all all people's glory is like the flower of the field. And the grass withers and flowers fade away, but God's word stands forever. So let me pray for us before we talk more about it. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for tonight to be able to sing Christmas songs, songs that we most of us probably find special and hold dear and Give us wonderful thoughts. And Father, as we do that, we, as we come and we hear your word, we need your help. Uh, we need your help to hear your word. Would you be with us and would you open our minds so that we can understand and our ears so that they will hear and our hearts so that they will believe. Father, we want to hear your word. We need to, and we want to be changed. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm sure that you have looked at uh, online reviews for any, you know, anything, right? And you know how wildly unhelpful they can be, whether it's for a doctor or uh, an electronic, you know, piece of electronics, an article of clothing. Because you, get, you read one that says, this doctor is the greatest doctor ever. He, he took all the time 
with me and was just very patient. And then the next one says, worst doctor ever spent two minutes with me, made me feel like I didn't matter, right? Uh, This thing runs two sizes too small, you know, account for that. The next one says, this thing is huge, runs big, you know, it's all over the place. And it's weird because it's the same thing. And, you know, if, if you're like me, you read those and you think, how in the world? <laughs> how can this be about the same thing? And I got this person over here and I got that person over there. And, you know, you very well might find yourself thinking, all right, I kind of want to know what, where am I going to fall? It's just, it, it's interesting, even though you have the same thing, you have very different responses. And I, I, I mentioned that tonight because I think that's a lot of what we see in this passage. Uh, We're going to be looking at, just for a a very few minutes, the cross. Jesus Christ on the cross, Jesus crucified, and we see a lot of different, we see very uh, polarizing, different responses or reactions to the cross. To the same thing, very different responses to it. And so we're going to look at that tonight. We're going to look at, uh, very quickly, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at... Look at the responses to the cross. Sort of what are they? We're going to look at the meaning of the cross. Thirdly and finally, we'll look at the grace of the cross. All right, so first, the responses to the cross. Everything about Luke uh, since about chapter 9 has been, uh, has been marching. Jesus has been marching to Jerusalem to die. Everything about it has been pointing. Uh, Luke has been showing us how that's what he's doing. And so now he's finally there. He's heading towards his death. And as we get this narrative of him being crucified, I think it's really interesting if you notice, we don't really get a whole lot about the crucifixion. You get, we get precious little information about the details of him being crucified. Of the, you know, things like the, the pain that he was going through, you know, what they did to him, those sorts of things. Uh, what is it? Verse 33. It very simply says, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. You don't get much of that, but what we do get a fair amount about is all of the responses of the people that are there. We actually get a lot of information about that. Uh, in various reactions. Look at verse uh, 35. You see, tells us that the people, sort of in general, the people stood by watching. Verse 35, the Jewish rulers scoffed at him. Verse 36, the Roman soldiers, similarly, they mocked him. Verse 39, one of the criminals railed at him. And if you notice, all of their scoffing and mocking and railing and whatnot, it's really all along very similar lines. They're all essentially getting at the same thing. That if, if you really are claiming, you claim to be the Christ, or uh, we could just say sort of, you claim to be the hero that God had promised. You claim to be the king, the great hero, and you're, but you're being killed. So if you really are the great, the great one, then why don't you be great? And he's obviously not, or apparently not being great. And so they're just you know, hurling insults at him because they're looking at this so-called king and all they're seeing is weakness. 
If you're, on, if you're up there on the cross, you're, you're weak. You're obviously not a king. You're weak. You're guilty. They see weakness. But we see a different response from a, at least a couple of people in the passage. We, we see the other criminal in the, in the centurion, the head Roman soldier. The other criminal cuts in and rebukes the other one. And notice what he says. He essentially says, we're guilty. He's innocent. And notice what the centurion says, the the, uh, Roman soldier that's in charge. He says, certainly this man was innocent, which what what functionally, what does that mean? What is he admitting? I am overseeing the death, the execution of an innocent man. So what does that mean? I'm I'm guilty. He's innocent. Very different reactions, very different responses to the same thing. And so as we move on, I I just want you to think tonight. I just want you to evaluate a little bit. What's your response to the cross? What's your reaction? What do you see going on? What does it do to you? So as we move on, we need to know what we're reacting to. Uh, So secondly, let's look at the meaning of the cross. The meaning of the cross. Now, Luke, in his gospel, is not as explicit as some of the other gospel writers, like Matthew and Mark. They give a much more, I guess we could say, theological understanding of what the the cross, like what's going on here, what it means. But it's actually still very much present here. And we see it in verses 44 and 45. We see it in the, we see it through the darkness and the curtain. We're really just going to look at the darkness tonight. Uh, so the, the darkness, Mark tells us, uh, so the gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus was crucified at nine in the morning, 9 a.m. So here in Luke in verse 44, it says from the sixth hour, which is uh, from noon to the uh, what, ninth hour. So from noon to three, crucified at nine, it begins at nine. So at noon, middle of the day, Luke says everything went dark. He says the sun's light failed. So it turns pitch black in the middle of the day. And we know it wasn't an eclipse because Passover, which is what they were celebrating at the time, always happened during a full moon. And from what I've understood, uh, an eclipse can never happen during a full moon. So we know this, this isn't like the Bible's way of saying there was a you know, convenient or even God-ordained eclipse. That's not it. It just went dark. So what... What do we do with that? Well, we need to think about it biblically. So what does darkness mean, biblically speaking? Well, darkness in the Bible is, is very often associated with and, and really um, almost an illustration of God's judgment. If you think about it uh, as an, sort of an illustration, we are, built to, um, we are built by God to follow to follow his commands, to operate like he's told us. And when we don't, which the Bible calls sin, then it results in judgment. It results in dysfunction. We, we don't, op- things don't go well. We sort of come unraveled. Darkness is a picture of that judgment. We're built to be able to see and live in the light. So what would happen if you just lived life in total darkness? What well, would just be chaos and dysfunction, Right? It's a picture of of judgment. 
And even if we think more about it biblically, uh, where do we see darkness popping up along the lines of judgment? I think most notably, uh, you very well might think of the, uh, the Exodus. You know, Israel enslaved in Egypt. And God sends these judgments on, on, Israel, on Egypt, right? The plagues, ten plagues. Do you remember what the ninth plague was? Well, context clues might tell you it was the darkness. So it was sun went dark for three hours here in Luke. How many days do you think it went dark uh, in Exodus uh, in, in Egypt? Three days, total darkness. You know what the tenth plague was? This is super cool. Tenth plague was God's judgment where he said that the firstborn in every household is going to die. I'm going to execute judgment on everyone in the land by having the firstborn in every house die. Unless what you can do is you can take a lamb and you can slaughter it and you can paint, take the blood and paint it on your door and I will pass over or the angel of the Lord will pass over and the firstborn will not die. And that's actually what they were celebrating, right? That Jesus' crucifixion happens at Passover, the celebration of that very event. All right, last aspect of this. I want you to listen to Amos. When was the last time you read Amos? Amos 8, 9, and 10. Now this passage uh, is prophecy about the day of the Lord. The prophecy about when God's judgment is going to come. All right, listen to this. Uh, when it's going to, when judgment's going to come on his people for their sins, it says on that day declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourn, like the morning M O U R morning for an only son. And the end of it, like a bitter day. So do you, do you, if we put all that together, what's the point? Well, Luke is showing us that this day, Jesus on the cross, that this day, this is the day of the Lord. This is God's judgment on his people for their sin showing up. But what's amazing is that it's not showing up on his people. Do you see what's happening? It's not coming down on the people. It's coming down. It's coming down on Jesus. In other words, that this is the Passover. This is what the the Passover from hundreds and hundreds of years ago was just an an illustration, a point or two. This is the Passover. And what it's it's telling us the meaning of all of this. That Jesus is that sacrificial lamb. That he's taking the judgment, the darkness, the wrath of God for his people. That on the cross, Jesus is bearing all of the guilt, all of the fury, all of the dysfunction for what his people deserve. He's doing it in their place, in our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, He, God, made Him, Jesus, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what does that mean for us? It means that if you trust Jesus, if you put your faith in Christ, it means that God takes every single thing that you have ever done, ever will do, every bad deed, every bad thought, every bad motivation, takes every bit of your sin and he he puts it on Jesus. And Jesus just wears it and experiences all the wrath for it so that there is nothing left for you. So that means that whatever it is that that convicts you, uh, I feel like I say this about every week, maybe every other week. I can remember my campus minister saying, um, not a whole lot of new material going on here, which is probably a pretty good thing. But I can remember my, my our campus minister saying very often, he would say, "Give it a name." Like, let's make it real. Give it a name. Whatever, it is, whatever your conscience, you know, in those moments that, that your conscience whispers to you or maybe shouts to you and says, you are nothing but a... Give it a name. What is, what is it for you? You are nothing but a pervert. You are nothing but a drunk. You are nothing but a phony. You are nothing but a cheater. You are nothing. But an overbearing father. What is it for you? Because that you've got to see that that is what Jesus became. For you. And God took all the wrath that you deserve out on Jesus. And there. Therefore, there is now no, no condemnation for you if you're in Christ. That's the good news. That's what the cross means. The idea of the curtain being torn, if we had time, we would look at that. The basic idea is that, um, that now there's access to God. God wants to be with you, and the cross has made that happen. Right? We've been singing uh, in, goodness, three, four, five songs, Emmanuel, God with us. And now we are able to be with him because of the cross. So thirdly and finally, let's look at the grace of the cross. And here, really, we're going to... So we've been looking a little bit at at the people's reactions to the cross. Well, now, for for just a second as we finish, I want you to look at Jesus' reaction to the people, to the various folks. Um, So keep in mind, Jesus has been experiencing constant abuse... So at his arrest, he's been put through, you know, this ridiculous trial. And the whole time, like leading up way before the cross, uh, they've been just beating him and abusing, not just physically, but, uh, you know, one of the gospels, uh, Matthew, I think, tells us that when he's before the council, they would cover his face and the soldiers would smack him in the face and say, oh, you're the great prophet. Who hits you? Can you imagine because keep in mind, Jesus, like, oh, I actually know every single thing about you, not just your name. So he's been taking all this abuse. Verse 33, very, as we look, said very simply, they, there they crucified him. 
And look at Jesus' response. Verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus prays for them. He extends these people that are just heaping abuse on him. He extends them so much grace. The very people that are causing his pain. And then when he's on the cross, it's more of the same. It's more abuse, abuse. If you're the great king, why don't you save yourself, save us? And what, what does Jesus say back to them? Nothing. Can you imagine? I mean, just imagine you were leaving uh, the Baylor, uh, Baylor football game. And let's, you know, thankfully, it's kind of, kind of hard to imagine us losing. But imagine we lost. And some of the other fans from, you know, whatever team, whatever team you want to hate right now. <laughs> can't say that out loud. They, that they walk by and they, and they give you the, you know, they give you some sort of like, I mean, we just kicked your, you know, whatever, right? What wells up inside? Now, you may not say it, but what bubbles up inside of you? That's just a football game. Jesus is, Jesus is the king of the universe. Coming, ha- having come and now doing absolutely everything to save people from their sin. And he's taking nothing but abuse and they're hurling ridiculous insults at him. And you know what he fires back with? Nothing. These people that are seeing nothing but weakness. This is pathetic. Look at this loser. So weak. And he says nothing. And what I want you to see. Do you see how incredibly strong that is? How just infinitely strong it is. Is it weakness? Yeah, in some sense. But in another sense, it is incredibly strong. That's where they get it wrong. It's incredibly strong. And Jesus shows amazing grace to really bad people. And he does it. His strength comes from love. It all comes from love. Uh, We we sing a song, and it, it is a good song. This is not to beat it up, but how deep the Father's love for us. Maybe you're familiar with this one. And there's a line in there, and look, in all fairness, like in some sense, yes, this is fine. But it says, it was my sin that held him there on the cross. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. Now, is that true? Sure. In some sense. But it actually wasn't our sin holding him there. It was his love for you holding him there. It was voluntary because he loves you. We see it in the thief on the cross. And I'm just going to end with this. We've got to stop. Thief on the cross. What does he receive? Right? The, another gospel tells us that both the criminals were insulting him. So this guy has now changed course. Just a few minutes ago, he was hurling insults at Jesus. And now he has a change of heart. And he says, Jesus, remember me. And what does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't look at him and say, oh, oh, so now, now. Right? He doesn't look at him and say, you know what? I'm kind of in the middle of something. He doesn't say, you had your chance a minute ago. He says, you'll be with me. This guy was a bad dude. Like, legitimately bad dude. 
And Jesus extends him incredible grace because he does that to really bad people. And that's the good news. Bad people like you and me. We need to finish. That's the good news. It's, it's for anybody. It's for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you, that you stand in the place of really bad people. Uh, we pray that that would be true of everyone here tonight. And, and if that's not true, would you make it so? We ask in your name. Amen.